spent the weekend in Franklin, son playing in a soccer tournament, and uh, some friends of mine turned mm-hmm. me on to a wonderful place called Little Tiny Donuts, which was a uh, a little trailer in a parking lot where they would fry up the donut. donut places are. These little, you know, bite-sized, the little mini donuts. They would come right out of the fryer. They'd roll them in some cinnamon sugar, or they'd put a glaze on them. And uh, just little bites of heaven is really what they were. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. Like, we stumbled upon them between games last year when we were in Nashville. And April, like, made a point. She's like, okay, well, we need to figure out where the tiny little donuts is so we can go there after his first game because he had six hours between games. Like, that was legitimately one of the things she said we had to do while we were there was stop at this place. So amazing. I think we could set something like this up at Camp Jordan where we have the little fryer, maybe serve some coffee uh, on a tournament weekend. So many people, I think, I think we'd really clean up. Yeah. The problem with that, Alex is I don't know that we would have enough product to get to the actual customers based off the three of us. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. It's harsh, but I think it's fair. So I included myself. I've been slowly working my way back up to being part of the Brisket Boys. Welcome to Soccer Chat. Alex and Adam here. Wolfman Jeff is on assignment by by his wife, not from us, but uh, he may be joining us later uh, in the program. Uh, But we had a pretty exciting game this weekend at CHI Memorial. Red Wolves taking on the first place Richmond Kickers, falling behind, coming back, salvaging a point shorthanded talk about all the different stuff but so this game started first half and it felt like we really were in the driver's seat what what were your thoughts you were you stayed up in nashville you were watching from there yeah so the first half i didn't get to watch until i actually got home and rewatched it um because we um where we were staying and after our game ended, our game ended like 30 minutes before we were supposed to start and all this Jonah's team wanted to go out to eat. And that's a fun story in of itself because we went to three different restaurants before we found somewhere that we could actually go. Because um, we weren't smart enough to realize the best place to get 20 p- plus people in and then be excited about you being there was a Mexican restaurant. That was a mistake by us. We should have done that right away. Instead, we went to two other restaurants that were inconvenience by us even showing up they're like how many people yeah that's not a thing that we do after covid we don't have any staff uh, i called the mexican restaurant to say hey do you guys have capacity in there and they were confused as to why i needed to call it was a complete opposite experience they were like what, what, what do you mean i was like can you handle 20 people we know it's a large group she, she's like let me get my manager because i think she was very confused so you get the manager and he's like yeah well, of course we can I think we can wedge you in between the table of 50 and the table of 30. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was very confused (laughs) as to why I was asking the question. And it was a great experience. We had a lot of fun. Um, But we listened to it by having, like, my phone connected to our, like, um, stereo system in the car. So everything we're hearing is based off of the announcer who was watching the game, not announcing the game. Hmm. Um, 
it was quite annoying without seeing it because it's on, you know, it's on my screen, but I can't be watching it while I'm driving. Right. Cause he would get excited, but he hasn't talked about who actually had the ball. He'd been talking about some other subject. So you would have no idea. Was he excited because the rebels were shooting or is he excited um, because we were being shot on? Like, like, I, I know it's supposed to be a home broadcast, but it's League One, so I don't know well, if he's Well, no, yeah, for League excited. One, the other 10 teams get a home broadcast. We just yeah. have a regular whatever broadcast. Yeah, I was very confused. I was like, uh, I don't know if he's, if he's properly excited or if it's a Richmond excitement. Um, but yeah, we had those two good shots on goal, one from a set piece, one from the run of play. And then this happened, which created their first opportunity. So I'm going to share that, and I want to get your opinion on the um, penalty call. He goes down there, and here's we're gonna get a quick, uh, faster the replay close up. Is a better kick. Take a look. It's Mintz again on. All right. So, what's your thought? Did did Mintz, Is that a fair penalty call? So, I think the Richmond player plays it up, but I think Rafa has really put himself in a very compromising position, as close as he is behind the player sticking his foot out. Um, it's the sort of play that feels like we never get the call with the Red Wolves, and we are mad about it, that it doesn't get called when a player gets gets into one of our guys like that, at least historically. Um, and so, yeah, I to me, there were a lot of calls that were frustrating in this game. I feel like the, it was very, very poorly officiated. Uh, it seems as if she was absent on handball day during referee class. Uh, and <laughs> I saw I saw some on both sides. Yeah, uh, there was a couple times with Red Wolves. There was one in the box, however, mm-hmm. against Richmond uh, mm-hmm. that that would have swung the game. But anyway, that call there is not one that had me incredibly furious once I watched the replay and really thought about it. So it's one of those that I feel like if we had like a Premier League or a national MLS broadcast with multiple angles, we might be able to come here and say, oh, that's actually dive and he gets a yellow card. Mm-hmm. Or we would look at it and go, yeah, he caught his foot and that's a foul. With the angles we have, I don't know, but you're 100% right. It's, it's, it's a, he falls easily, right? Like that's a given. Well, but you're kind of supposed to fall easily in that scenario when he right. puts himself in that scenario. So I don't blame him for that. And I think if it was the other direction, we'd be sitting here going, Rebels never get the calls. So I'm okay with that one overall. But that set up their first um, their first goal, which was a, a penalty shot. And the reason I'm going to show this is I want our the, our listeners and those that are watching on YouTube to see what it, what it looks like to just kick a freaking penalty. U.S. Open Cup. Oh, I'm lying. Court. That's the wrong one. Oh, I'm so terrible at this. Act like I'm not as bad as I am. And here's the penalty shot. First half. Facing off Aviles. Terzaghi puts it. The- so here's the thing. That is not a good penalty shot. It's slightly into the, to the, towards the center. He's not all the way at the bottom. He doesn't, but he just takes it. He picks a spot and he takes it. And that's always been my argument with penalties is, you just got to go for it. And it's a 50-50 shot for the keeper. I don't think our keeper could have done anything differently. The reason I show this is we keep having bad penalty shots, and I would rather than just take it like this. What are your thoughts? 
uh, yeah, there I've seen multiple League One highlights with penalties with other teams. Every single one of them, they approach it at full speed, hit it with pace, low into a corner. Some of them go up to a corner, but it's it's just hard, fast to a corner. Yeah. And uh, and just that you know, yeah, just take it. Stop trying to be cute. Yeah. And so then early in the second half, this is their second goal. Open cup win. Here's Vanacore Decker on his right. Vignals. Gordon centers one across and sticks it in. Oh, Wayne Gordon, the substitute off the bench. So I'm going to leave this up for a second because I'm going to pull back. For those of you watching on YouTube, you're going to see what I'm going to show here. My issue is with, let's see if I can get to the spot. What exactly is happening with our center back in this scenario? Because the reason I asked that question is I feel like he's not only not defending the, the player that's, that could have been crossed to for an easy tap in, He's also not in a position to allow Carlos to to not get beat to his far side. Like he either needs to be deeper to Carlos or further out. So he's out of position and kind of sets Carlos up, in my opinion, to to be beaten here. Um, but with that being said, from that angle, do you think Carlos should be able to be beaten here from that angle? No, I don't. Um, I even go further back. This play happened on a counter. We turned the ball over in midfield. Players came running down. The The goal scorer you see out here. So Aaron Lombardi has tucked himself in. I'm not exactly sure why. I'm pointing at the screen like you guys can see what I'm pointing at. But our center back, Navarro, is right there with the player that Lombardi is running in to get to the back of. And it leaves the goal scorer out there at the corner of the box completely wide open. That yep. ball got to him, and before he even shot it, I said in, in to myself, why is he open? Yeah. And so to me, uh, yeah, Carlos probably should have done better at that angle. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the first time that he's been beaten from that kind of angle this year. Um, but to me, this was just a really bad transition defense. We went into halftime and I felt pretty confident. I said to, you know, I, I was sitting with my wife and I turned and said to her, you know, I feel like we've got a goal in us to get this back and, and see, you know, anything could happen. We could score once or twice because we were yeah. really in the driver's seat. And then this happened um, and it was a little dispiriting. Then, um, yeah. So to me, it was just, it was bad transition defense by the Red Wolves, leaving him open and, it's the kind of goals that we've been given up that have frustrated us all year that without them, um, you know, if we had better discipline on things like this, we'd be, we'd be the ones in first place. Yeah. The other thing I would mention is right around this point right here, this is usually where our guy tends to take that ball and try to put it in the top right corner. Mm -hmm. um, that's a common shot place for Rafa, especially to come from the right and then set himself up to shoot. And when I watched this, because at this point I was watching it live, I was like, oh, he's going to shoot. And when he made that pass, I was with you. I was like, why is there no one over there? Um, so yeah, we were 100%. We were out of position, and they took advantage of it. So kudos to them, because we're going to do something similar 
um, on, on one of our goals later. So we get further into the um, second half and we've made a couple of changes uh, from the um, team that was out there and we get our first chance to get actually up on the board. And that's what this one looked like. Carrera Garcia. Pinged out wide. Lobbed in. Galindres, the flick and the finish by Espinosa. The impact. So I apologize. My contact is going crazy. So I am going to just be terrible looking on uh, the video. Um, so I'm going to give you solo layout for a little bit here while I try to fix this. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can hear me still, right? Yes. Uh, so you might be on solo layout for a while. Uh, maybe I'll just bring this back up so everyone doesn't have to see your big heat for a long time. Uh, Comes on and sets up Espinosa. So I'm just going to leave that up like that and just kind of hope that my eye stops hurting. Um, so the thing I loved about this goal, and this is where I said I was going to do the same thing, where I was going to kind of give us a little bit of a, a view into the feed. It's this part right here where Juan Galindrez puts on just a beautiful flick. So here it is again. That flick made it impossible for Fitzy, who is a great goalkeeper, to have any chance. And it's also something that seeing Juan do was exciting because Juan is an amazing guy right in front of the goal. And so nobody would have thought twice if he tried to flick that into the goal because that would have been a reasonable decision for him because he puts a lot of those in. The yeah. fact that he was willing to be unselfish and pass that on is a, is great. And then Mo is right there and gets that poacher's goal that's usually Juan's all in all really good. What were your thoughts? So it was a great run by Juan to pull the two center backs away and open up the middle for Mo Espinoza. And then, like you said, to play that amazing flick, I was in the section. I didn't sit in the supporter section as I normally do in this game, but was sitting in that section that's basically looking straight in at it. So I watched him kind of flick that between his legs to Mo. Um, it was really good interchange between the new signing, Yvonne Gutierrez, and oh, yeah. Her Carrera Garcia. And the two of them were vibing for like five minutes leading up to that playing passes between each other, including uh, Mo, including Rafa, working with all those guys to kind of ping the ball around and get ready to play that cross. Uh, and so it was a great buildup, great play by Juan, unselfish to, to flick that ball, uh, and, uh, and a great finish by Mo. Uh, he, you know, he has a knack of coming up in those yep. spots. He doesn't miss. He doesn't put it wide. He doesn't put it over. He doesn't flub it straight to the keeper. Mo Espinoza has proven himself this year. Uh, if he doesn't get on an all-league, if he doesn't get some kind of award, uh, I may be sending myself down to Tampa and starting a riot uh, because he's earned it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And so that takes us to the um, the kind of the big what we thought would be kind of a massive game changer. And I don't have a video of this, but that was the second yellow card being issued. Um, I'm guessing for sneezing or for scratching his nose or um, not looking nicely at the, the referee. I, I'm not hundred percent sure, 
because it was a it was not a second yellow foul. Agreed. Um, this is the second time that Aaron Lombardi has gotten a yellow card for being injured. Yeah. Um, and this was a play that was really frustrating. So to me, there is a little bit where we could say, Aaron Lombardi, you know you're on a yellow. Um, maybe don't dive in for a play like that because you already know that you're on a yellow and League One referees don't know Are how idiots. to handle something where two people get hurt and and could give you that yellow. But I appreciate this was a, a game of playoff teams with a playoff atmosphere, and he was laying out to make that play. There were some risky tackles later in the game as the Red Wolves were trying to claw this one back uh, that I really, really appreciated that effort that they put in. Um, but, yeah, there, there's absolutely no reason – why the referee has to call a foul and give a yellow on that play where the two guys are lunging for a 50-50 ball, come together, and both have a little bit of a nick on each other. You you stop play, you have the people come out for treatment, you do a drop ball at Fitzy's feet, and you restart play. That's perfectly acceptable, rational. You don't have to give a yellow to, to, you don't have to like pick one side who was leaning further and give a yellow that happens to be a second yellow that changes the game. And that's where a lot of the refereeing in this game was so frustrating. You don't give a yellow on a, on a 50-50 ball. That's what it comes down to. Yellows don't happen on a 50-50 ball. And that's what that was. It was a 50-50 ball that you, if you want to claim that it was a 60-40 ball, fine, then it's a foul, but it's not a yellow card. A yellow card's coming on a dangerous play. That's not a dangerous play. It's just not. It's just, just because play. the two of them collided and went down holding themselves does not mean it was a dangerous play. Like that's that almost seems like the kind of rationale that they have. Oh, somebody got hurt. It must have been dangerous. Yeah, agreed. All right, so that takes us to the final thing that happened that no one really like. You didn't really expect it to happen. We weren't playing in Omaha where you could play with ten men and not notice, but we still kept pressuring and still kept getting you know opportunity after opportunity, and ultimately. Um, we ended up with this opportunity. Magic here. Here's the restart taken quickly. Scooped into the back stick. Centered across. His own man blocked it. But he turns it in anyway. Timmy Mel. After going a man down, you thought they might be out of it. But no, the... All right, so here's the thing I, I want to ask you guys before we get too deep into what you think of it. Do you think if it doesn't hit our man here, that's going to go in? Because I don't think it goes in unless it hits off our man <laughs> and gives him a second shot. I've got to look closer here. Um, the way that the Richmond player is jumping... He may, you know, that Timmy's heading that down towards the corner. He may not get back down on the oh, field to be able to stick his foot out and block that. So good I point. think there's still a decent chance that that does if it's on frame instead of uh, blocked by our player. All right. Well, I'm going to, I have to take care of my eyes. just killing me. It's like bright red at this point. I have to take care of this. So I'm going to let the three, the two of you handle the next couple of minutes while I go take these contacts out. Sorry, guys. 
So, Jeff, Timmy Mel's first professional goal, not just first goal with the Red Wolves, but first professional goal. Yeah. Uh, kind of surprising that that fact, uh, given how good he is in the air and, and his long career here, that he hasn't been able to, to get on a header like that before. Uh, but what do you think on the diggity scale of uh, Timmy Mel's first professional goal? I think it's a, at least a, um, a, a good amount of diggity. Um, somewhere between that and perhaps an abundant surplus of it's kind of in the middle. I think the fact that it's his first probably moves it to an abundant. Um, but yeah, I'm like you, it's like with his presence there in the box, he's, he's a physical player in the box. I'm surprised it was his first professional goal because he's, you know, he's, he's, he's right there in the middle, but it was, it was good to see. I, I see the point about if it hadn't hit that other player, uh, but it's it's good. It's sweet. I want to see more from him. So, I think I think the situation down ten men, down a goal, it brings you back level. Can tip it into that overwhelming surplus of diggity level. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, we've been breaking down the other goals. Couple of the major calls. You you, know, you came in as we talked about Lombardi getting that second yellow. So, what are your overall thoughts of how the Red Wolves uh, came in this game? It was uh, it was. Every time you have you have a draw from when you came from behind, it feels like a win. And every time you have a draw where you lost the lead, it feels like a loss. And I think that's – so there was a point of celebration with, with this because, again, we were down to 10 men. But being the sour puss on it is the fact that we put ourselves in that situation – this is well before the second yellow card. We got ourselves down uh, two goals at home. Now Richmond, as um, a quality side, they've they've probably one of the most improved sides this year. Um, so, but at the same time, we should have taken care of business. Having said that, I do like the fact that we didn't just lay over. We just kept at it, and then even with. Uh, going down to 10 men, it didn't feel like we were down 10 men. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of praise that needs to be given to the players on the team for their battle, for coming back from behind, for never getting down, and for not rolling over. When especially you think about the last game we had when we played in Richmond, uh, yeah. it seemed like that one was over early. So <laughs> to have gone behind and been able to claw our way back and, and get that point. Uh, is pretty encouraging, and, and I think the players need to feel very proud of that. The only thing is looking at – it really is looking at the schedule and the clock we have left, getting towards playoffs. It really it would have been a really good day to get three points. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a whole lot better than no points and Richmond getting all three points. Well, I mean, and you mentioned Richmond being the most improved. I think, you know, they had a negative goal differential last year. They finished fifth. Like, they've definitely improved um, on that end of, of the spectrum. But I don't look at Richmond and think this is a dominant first-place team, and which is why I agree. It, it As much as it felt great to get one point, it still felt like we we gave away two points by by just not taking advantage of the control we had early in the in the first half. Um, but ultimately, if you're going to ask me, you're down two nothing at home, and then you're down two one and a ten minute home, would you be happy with 
tying it up and and going out with a point, yeah, I'm going to be happy with that. Continuing our unbeaten streak and really putting us in a pretty good position heading into um, you know the rest of the the playoff you know picture. Like, what is it? What does it look like going forward? And I feel pretty good that you know we're in a really good spot, sitting at 37 points, and to miss out on the playoffs. You're, you're talking Hailstorm at 32 and Ford Madison at 32. Neither of those teams say to me they're going to be able to make up five points in the last four games. So I feel really good about that. Um, I would. Our schedule is really favorable to us, I think. Even though we're only at home once, we've got um, – I, I feel like we've got a, a schedule that I think is going to work for us. Well, we've got the bottom two teams. We've got Charlotte, who's one of those teams that is – fighting to catch us, right? Who's only a point behind us. Hmm. Um, so that's obviously a, a big game, the game versus uh, the game versus Charlotte. And then, you know, team in last place that we have on Saturday, I guess they're now technically in second to last place that we have on Saturday um, that we have to get those points. You, you can't be in a position where you go to Tucson and yeah, it's late at night and it seems like they play those games at 3 a.m. because of the monsoon season, but you've got to be able to go into Tucson. You've got to get points there and set yourself up for possibly clinching a playoff spot versus Charlotte um, at home in that final home game on the October 1st, because I, I did the math on it. You know, if, if all things fall, like we want it to hailstorm and forward, both lose, we can clinch or both ties are tie. We can clinch on that Saturday, a playoff spot, which is good because then you can really just focus on doing everything to win. Cause who cares if you lose five, nothing you're going to end up fifth anyway. So you might as well go for it and try to win the thing and get yourself into all, you know, the highest I think we can get is second place. Uh, I don't think we're going to get all the way to Richmond unless they just disappear, but Second place is not unreasonable. We're four points back with four games to go. Union Omaha hasn't been playing of great of late. Um, you know, they've got a pretty tough schedule in that they play, um, you know, not super tough, but they play Tormenta. They play Hailstorm at Central Valley, even though their fans don't realize it, are still in position to be fighting for a playoff spot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a, it, we're in a good spot, but we can't let up. Yeah. No. Well, the- this is a team that is, if you look at the scale, or if you look at the standings, and we look how far ahead we are of Tucson, we say, well, we should absolutely dominate. But there's two main factors. The first one, the ugly truth is, we faced them twice this year at home, and they beat us both time. Two shocker losses against them. And the other thing I think is more pertinent is if you look at their recent matches. They've been doing rather well, so they're on a bit of a hot streak for them. I don't think it's uh, enough to you know get themselves in the playoffs, but they in their in their recent matches, if if you look, yeah, you know, they've been winning or drawing when at other times when they traditionally would have lost. Uh, you know, they beat North Carolina, which is I think they they drew with uh, Tormenta. They beat Union Omaha at and uh, at Kino three nil. Uh, they beat Charlotte before that, uh, so it was yet to go back to the Fuego match on August thirty first, their last loss. Well, and the other thing, though, know, with those two home games, we're played at like three a.m. Eastern time. 
Like they were massively delayed due to the, the yeah. thunderstorms and monsoons. And I don't care who you are, that affects you. Like if you're if you're used to playing on the East Coast, which the vast majority of these te- East or Central time zone, the vast majority of these teams are used to, and that game doesn't start till midnight your time, like Eastern time or one o'clock Eastern time, that's going to affect you. And that has worked, I think, to their advantage. I do not think they beat Union Omaha 3 nothing with and score in the first eight seconds if it's not in that scenario. Um, Fun fact, so- I have heard that the team is having later practices trying to get themselves ready for performing at that late hour. So, Jeff, you're talking about the struggles that we've had, and uh, yeah. and I'm not arguing that uh, that you're wrong, but I will say uh, the last one, uh, the game that we lost, where we had the incredibly witty and urbane PA announcer at CHI Memorial, uh, Devin Bitten and Timmy Mel were starting as the center back pairing. So we didn't quite have Danny Navarro back yet. Uh, and the other game I think was Luna and Capazucci uh, starting there. So it was before we kind of had our back line set the way that we like it. It's going to have to be different this time because of Lombardi not being able to be there. I'm thinking you're probably going to see maybe DJ Benton and Nico Cardona having those two options. So well, Adam says no. I'm wondering. Uh, are you shaking your head? Who are who are the other fullbacks? We haven't seen Capazucci in a while. Haven't seen Luna can play, but we haven't seen Luna at all. Is he? So I mean, who who? What are other options, Adam? And you are muted. Okay, still, you, you have muted. to unclick the mute button. Yeah. So Cardona seconds. Cardona has been called up to the national team. When does that start? No, they're uh, they're not so playing. Car- yeah, Puerto Rico's games were canceled, unfortunately, due to the hurricane that just passed over the island. Oh, I feel terrible and for so you. His call up was yeah. canceled. Uh, but yeah, you know, thoughts and prayers for Cardona's yeah, family and everyone else on Puerto Rico. Hope that everything everything yep. uh, gets back to normal soon for them. Because they they've never really fully recovered since the last one, so this is last thing that they need. So yeah, but we should have Cardona with the team and available. Uh, DJ Benton. Luna's not an so, outside back. So I'm I'm a I'm assuming you put Cardona on the left and Benton on the right. Is that the thought? That's what yeah, I would think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because the DJ's a whole lot better on that right side. Yeah, so, and, and there if it's is not someone DJ, like maybe it's who can he can play outside on the right. I I don't know <laughs> I don't know about DJ on the left. Um, but anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So it's going to look a little bit different, but I think, I think our chances are increased based on having Timmy Mel and Danny Navarro. They've got, they've become such a great pairing. Um, I would love to see the Red Wolves open the checkbook and bring them back for next year, but we can focus on all that once we're done playing the season. Um, but they've done such a great job. And I think that really does change how things look when we go up against Tucson. Well, the other things that we have since the last time we faced them, uh, Carlos uh, Aviles is playing a whole lot better than when we faced him last time. And we've got, I think, a good rhythm with Alex Tashira and Mo is full on Mo. So we've got some scoring options that we really weren't set in place as well as much stronger uh, defense. So. so that brings up the question that, that I've been avoiding talking about what we need to bring up because it's been on social media because he put it on social media and Juan Galindra has basically noted that he's a little frustrated that he's not getting as much playing time 
um, as he is in the race for the golden boot. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? Is there a player that he should that he should be getting more playing time from that's been playing, or is it just a scenario in which someone else got an opportunity and has taken advantage of it? I was abused that someone on uh, one of the, the little League One trolls on social media highlighted Juan's tweet, uh, talking about how the fans walked out in Central Valley. Uh, Omaha gave up a lead and lost a game. Uh, against nine men on their little kiddie field. Uh, And Richmond gave up a two nothing lead and blew theirs. And then somehow our player wanting to play more is somehow equivalent to all of that stuff happening. Um, If that's the worst, probably when you've just battled back from two down and your team's trying to celebrate a victory, it's probably not the most mature thing to put out a tweet like that. But I love that he wants to be out there, that there's a hunger and a desire with the team. All of the guys in the locker room see that this team is headed on an upward trend and could go somewhere special and they want to contribute. And I think that's what you want from the players that are on your team. Not someone who's like, Hey, when is this going to be over? And I can, I can go home. And as someone who watched the broadcast, I'm wondering if he rewatched the broadcast or anything, or someone brought it to his attention, where the broadcaster talked about that they want to use him later in games because they think that's a better use of him. Like he mentioned that during the broadcast. And I'm wondering if that's what he's reacting to, is that, no, a better use of me is to use me more on your leading score because he's not playing like a selfish player or an immature player because a selfish or immature player would have done exactly what I talked about and attempted that poacher's goal from the front instead of flicking it on that none of us would have blamed him for tempting because he's good at that shot. That proved that he still cares about the team more than he does his individual stats. I think it's just a scenario where he may have had someone bring it to his attention and he got frustrated and posted it out there. I wish he hadn't, but I'm with you. I'd rather you be frustrated that you're not getting the playing time that you think you've earned than you getting frustrated because you're not getting the play time and you're not even proving yourself, right? There's players that do that, right? There's players that will go out, run 30 minutes out there, do nothing, and then they'll be like, well, I need a full game to prove myself. No, you got 30 minutes to prove yourself and you were useless. Like, <laughs> that's not Juan's scenario, right? Juan's saying, you're giving me 30 minutes and I'm giving you your leading score. Give me more time. I'm okay with that. But my issue is there's no one that's been playing of late. This is the second leading scoring team in the league. We have had goal scoring amounts of th- of two, five, one, two, two, like one, five, like we're scoring in bunches, right? And he's been part of that, but he's not been all of that, right? Like if you take all of his goals away and you assume that no one else could have made three of four penalty shots, we're still third in the league in goals scored. <laughs> so I don't think he has a lot to stand on from that standpoint because there's not a, there's there's plenty of scoring talent, but I'm not upset. I'm happy that he wants to play more. I'm happy he wants to be out there because he's not being selfish when he's on the field by his actions. All right, I'm going to come back around. And a criticism with a small C that I have with Coach Weekly is he is late in doing his substitutions. And I would like to see Tanky come in earlier and as well as his other subs he comes in. It usually seems like it's a few minutes late and the thing he was bringing the, them in to change, um, we were, were kind of running out of time to do it. Um, but I still think he is – right now, we may have our best option with, with Alex starting 
and with uh, Tanky closing, um, I, that seems to work for us. I think he's got uh, – he's just – he's just uh, that way he's coming in when the uh, away side's got tired legs and he's got his bulk and he just – you know, he, he pushes his way through. Um, I will say, Jeff, though, he did bring him in a little earlier this game than he has in the past. So right. both both him and um, Ivan Gutierrez, the, the new guy from Orange County, they both came in in the 65th minute, which is a little closer to when um, Jimmy Obleda would have brought him in. Um, uh-huh. I st- I'm with you, though. I would have probably liked him maybe 55th, 60th minute because I think he can give you 30, 40 minutes of, of like full-on speed there. But I don't have a massive issue with him coming in the 65th. His next sub didn't happen until after we scored our second goal. And it, it was, I think, more of a, a defensive substitution, bringing in Benton for España. So I had no yeah, problem with that either. They rebalance the back line, yeah. Yeah, so okay. I had no problem with that either. The other thing so, is so. we are – sorry, Alex. Uh, do you want me to come back to this or do you want to – It's real quick. I was just going to say I looked up on the League One um, stats website. We have 17 different goal scorers. Timmy Mel became the 17th different player to score a goal. For the Red Wolves this season. So you talk about the fact that we're one of the leading goal scorers. Galindris has 11. The next one down is Mo and Rafa tied with six each. Um, but we've got a lot of different people that can contribute from all over the field. I think that's good. That shows you that when it gets to playoff time and it's and we're up against it and they've keyed on trying to shut down Juan Galindres, well, we've got other guys that are going to step up. Well, the other thing we have, and this is the first time in our history that we've ever faced this, we have an abundance of players. You talk about we've had 17 that have scored this year. Uh, it seems like we're lucky to have 17 on the roster for the past couple of years. And then when you get the injuries, you know, you've only got like a few real options on the bench. Now we have a lot of really talented players who aren't aren't even making the bench because we've added a lot more depth. And that's a little – it can be frustrating if your favorite player is not playing. It's certainly going to be frustrating for some of our players. But at the same time, it's because we're growing as a side. We're growing as a team. We're making the investments. And so there's going to be, I think, getting some of that balance in. Yeah, it's just we bring in more talent, then it's not everyone's going to get the same amount of uh, – you know, isn't going to get the, uh, the minutes – that they want. All right. So I'm going to bring us real quick back to kind of trying to wrap this sucker up a little bit. Um, let's do a pre- preview of Tucson as, as uh, Alex has referred to it, Tucson in our jammies. Um, assuming there's not a uh, lightning delay of two hours. I hope to watch this game that starts at 10 PM Eastern time. Um, what is your expectation, Alex, for the game versus the current 10th place Tucson team? Uh, my expectation is goals. Lots of goals. Uh, hopefully they're all ours. Um, but there is a chance that Tucson has a lot of speed. Stylistically, they like to kind of play the same way we do, where you press a little bit higher, try to hit people in transition, and they've got fast, quick players that can do that. We've seen it this year that they have people who can uh, come on the counterattack and, and make a play. Uh, but also their goalkeeper, not the greatest shot stopper. And as Jeff had talked about, Mo is on fire. Rafa is feeling pretty good. 
Uh, Alex Tejera has scored a couple of times in the last few games. If he gets the start, Juan Galindrez is going to come off the bench and be hungry and want to prove himself. So there's a lot of talent that's going to go out there. This is a game that I think bet the over. We'll have our little gambling segment. Bet the over on goals scored between Tucson and, and Chattanooga uh, because this game is probably going to be one that's end-to-end, wide open, lots of chances. Yeah, and, and you never know when Villalobos or Espana are also going to be knocking it in too. And I, so I'm guessing this is going to be – it's going to go one of two ways. We're going to get ahead and we're going to bury them early. Or it's going to be scrappy. And I still think we're going to eke it out. But I'm hoping it's it's going to be uh, us take care of business and not let up. So I've got this down as a 3 nothing victory. And I'm basing that largely on my expectation that um, Tucson, once they get down, are going to get down on themselves. And I think we have to get up early. If we don't get up early, um, we could we could be into a problem ultimately, but I think it's reasonable for us to expect that we're going to get up early and we're going to finish them off. And I think it's going to be um, a three, a three, nothing game. So that's, that's my prediction. The other, the other part to think about here is, you know, Tucson's going to be doing a lot of scoreboard watching to see, do they get to stay technically in, in it? And it's possible between now and then if games don't go their way, Hailstorm wins, Fuego wins, you know, Fuego wins again. They can get away from them far enough because this game starts at 10 o'clock at night. They could legitimately be, if not eliminated mathematically, eliminated realistically before this game even starts. And I think that could play a factor too. Because Hailstorm's got two games before this game starts. Central Valley has two games before this game starts. Ford Madison has two games before this game starts. Like there's a lot of games being played before this game starts on Saturday because it's a later game. And it's possible those teams ahead of them win enough to make it so you can't make it, right? So it could go one of two ways where they can't, like Charlotte and Tormenta win their games and get away from them. Then they can't catch them because they're, they're right now, they're nine points back of Charlotte with five games to go. They can end up 12 points back with five games to go. That means you're having to pretty much win out. Um, and and Charlotte's, you know, got that game versus North Carolina, who's in last and is pretty much eliminated. Like they're not technically eliminated, but they are eliminated. So it's reasonable to think Charlotte's going to win that game. Then it will be over before this game starts. So that's the other side of it. That's going to be hard. You combine that with bad blood. We feel like they've beaten us twice and not really deserved either of them. I guess they kind of deserve the one where they beat us the second game, uh, despite having an incredibly witty and urbane PA announcer. They um, they 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 did take the lead and, and we had to claw our way back. But definitely that first game when they beat us three two with that in the last minute, um, we were we were such the better team. We are a better team than they are. So there's the bad blood. There's the confidence that the team is is riding coming back shorthanded against the first place team in the league uh, that they feel like we need to, we need to show people that we're one of the top teams. We're one of those top four that you're going to see most likely in the semifinals. Um, so I, I have it. Yeah. Four, nothing, three, nothing, I think is, is incredibly uh, achievable. I, I'm, um, 
I'm agreeing with you guys on this because I think with the way our defense has been sorted out and with how spotty their keeper is in Tucson and as on fire as Mo and some of our other players are, I, yeah, I think a three nil is very doable. Three nil. All right, gentlemen. We're all fanboys. So we, we've got a couple small segments to go. I'm going to pass it over to Alex to, to give us the local soccer um, round. Yeah, local soccer. The the most recent girls high school uh, rankings, they, they do them weekly on a site called Max Preps. Uh, both Baylor GP, or not both, but all three, Baylor GPS and CCS are four, five, and six in the state of Tennessee top ten. They all find themselves in the uh, the national top 25 for the schools that play in the fall. So it's not really a true national ranking because there are lots of states that do it different. Some play in the fall, some play in the spring. Um, but, uh, but yeah, lots of good local soccer, girls playing, lots of, acad- you know, Red Wolves Academy, girls that are playing on the any all of those teams. Um, so fun stuff. And, of course, the Tennessee State Soccer Championships are all at CHI Memorial. That'll be in November. Awesome. You did forget to mention the 2013 Chattanooga Red Wolves uh, tournament results in Nashville. Congratulations to them on their on their victory there Way in Nashville. Way to go, boys. Yep. Good job. <laughs> and I think that brings us to everybody's favorite segment, at least everybody who lives in a tiny town uh, on the other side of the pond, and that's the Biggleswade Report. So give you a little update on what's going on. Uh, Of course, the last couple of weeks, games have been, uh, some have been played, some have not been played uh, based on all of the ceremonies around the passing of the Queen. Uh, Biggleswade Town right now is sitting in 17th place in the non-league. Four matches have been played. They've got two draws, two losses, but... They are having themselves a heck of an FA Cup run. They've won their first couple of matches. They are in the third qualifying round. That's going to be coming up in a couple weeks. Two more rounds before they can get to what's called the FA Cup proper, which is where they would have the opportunity to get matched up against someone like uh, you know, a professional team in, in League Two or, or what the National League like Wrexham. That's, of course, popular of late. Uh, would love for them to get to match it up against Wrexham and watch Ryan Reynolds mug for the camera and giggle about how a team is called Biggleswade. Uh, good luck to them. Also, Biggleswade FC. So now we have them in the same league as Biggleswade Town, who were unfortunately relegated last year from the, the uh, non-league premier, Southern League premier. So they're both Southern League Division One. Biggleswade FC is in sixth place. They've got eight points out of five matches, so they've got a couple wins, a couple draws. Uh, they're playing pretty well in the league. They're one point away from being in that top five, which would put them in a promotion playoff. Uh, and then Biggleswade United also off to a good start. Ten points in their first six games. They had a win over the weekend. Uh, they're sitting in ninth place. Now they have to get to first in the Spartan South Midland League to have the ability to get promoted to the Southern League Division One, 
um, if we were to find all three Biggleswade teams getting into the same division, I think we would just move to London or to Biggleswade for a fall and go to all of the games. That is your Biggleswade report. Alrighty. Thank so you for that. We Alex. also had fun. Our uh, our logo here is kind of a a mock up of the Leighton Orient, who's a team in League Two. They play in London, uh, not far from the Emirates. Uh, and uh, they had last year. They had a coach named Kenny Jacket, who Jeff would remember was a former Wolves coach at the time. Uh, things didn't go so well for Kenny. He's no longer the coach at Leighton Orient, but they're in first place in League Two, no losses uh, on the season. So. Uh, congrats to them. Good luck to them. Up the O's. All right. Well, I think That's we've covered that. everything we can possibly cover. And so on that note, bye. bye. So did I miss the tiny donuts? It's the only reason I came. <laughs>